We launch ourselves headlong down the highway of information on the Rural Radio Network. This is the midday program on your RRN station. You kind of liked that, didn't you, Jason? That was pretty smooth. <laughs> well done. Hard to believe I make this stuff <laughs> up as I go, isn't it? Susan Littlefield, uh, what's your assessment of the introduction today? Very creative. <laughs> <laughs> We're on a, you know what we need is that song. We're on the highway to yeah. mm-hmm. information. <laughs> yeah. You betcha. All right. uh, this is uh, Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and uh, it is Friday, so we're kind of in a frivolity mood. Friday's practically one that run themselves there in the, in the ag department, don't they, Susan? Yeah, not really. Crazy <laughs> things always happen on Friday. I'm just kidding you. There's been plenty going on, especially in Washington. Oh, there has been that. Coming up at 1245, a great opportunity to hear the House Ag Committee holding a news conference this morning to talk about how just barely, but the farm bill passing on the House side. By the way, the Senate is supposed to pick up the farm bill sometime in the next two weeks, and then it'll head to a committee on both sides of the aisle and both sides of the House and Senate. So pretty anxious to see that happen. You know, everybody's talking weather. I was just outside uh, recording some television, came in with mud on my shoes. I am not going to complain. Mm-hmm. But Stoney Cooper, who's sitting in for Al Dutcher this week, will talk about the drought monitor after the precipitation has moved through the area. And then it's Fridays in the field at 117. We're going to hear round two near Chapman, Nebraska, where they grow some great popcorn. So more coming up on that. Oh, popcorn, one of my favorite things. Susan, let me ask you, what are the? Uh, does anyone uh, share any insight into what they think this farm bill will do in the Senate? Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because... There's a little bit of frustration between SNAP on the House side, the Senate side not talking about SNAP, and now folks in Washington wanting to move SNAP completely out of the Department of Agriculture Mm -hmm. and move it into a brand new Health and Human Service Welfare Division. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks, that's for sure, but we'll stay atop of it. Very good. Thanks, Susan. Appreciate it. Jason Jorgensen, man. The CWS still goes on. Yeah, we are down to the final four. They have Chamber of Commerce-like weather today in Omaha. It's really been a good one, hasn't it? After they've had to uh, dodge some showers and some storms this week. Of course, uh, this afternoon, it's Mississippi State against Oregon State. Then tonight, you have Arkansas against Florida. As Florida was able to stay alive last night, they built a big lead, and then they were able to uh, hold off Texas Tech's late charge. As the Gators won that thing 9-6, to six. I don't know if there were too many surprises in the NBA draft. DeAndre Ayton was expected to go first to the Suns, and he was. Uh, Kyrie Thomas, who was a great player for Creighton, he was picked and then promptly traded, <laughs> which I don't know how you kind of handle that, but I guess if you're picked... You know, hey. that's that's a good thing. Moneyball. Yes, and uh, <laughs> he was picked, and then the Pistons uh, traded for him. So uh, that's where his NBA career will start, and hopefully things will stick for him. And also, tomorrow in Albion, they will host the 7th Annual Nebraska-Wyoming Six-Man Football Shootout. Is All the right. best six-man players from each state will duel tomorrow. That sounds like fun. Bob Brogan has business. Stocks on the rise as energy companies surge today. Countries in the OPEC oil cartel have agreed to a new oil output level. That's having a little bit of an impact on the market. And Governor P. Ricketts says that we're studying that uh, ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court to let states collect sales tax from online purchases. He hasn't made any decisions. He wants to get some direction from the le- from the legislature. All right. Well, all this and more is coming your way today on Midday. 
Paul Perkins steps in for a look at our regional ag weather, and it's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. And we do have temperatures pretty much across the area in the upper 60s to low 70s. A very nice day, especially if you walk outside currently. I know yeah. I walked out just a few minutes ago. So like, I'll tell you great. what, I'm, I, I think what I'm going to do is go ahead and count <laughs> this in with our three days of spring from earlier. <laughs> yeah, there you uh, go. <laughs> so we can at least have that much to go on. But it, it took till the second day of summer to get there. Exactly, yeah. And we started off on a very chilly note this morning. A lot of areas in the low and mid-50s. North Platte got down to 49 we will see those mainly sunny skies today. Comfortable temperatures, also comfortable humidity. You don't get that very often in the late part of June. Those winds turning to the south today. And mainly on the light side as high pressure tracks east. And then also some low pressure develops to our west. Late in the day, though, we are expecting thunderstorms to form right near that trough of low pressure. Extending from the Nebraska Panhandle into northeast Colorado. Some of those storms could go severe, especially in western areas of Nebraska and west and central areas of Kansas. Anywhere along and west of the line from Gordon to Ogallala and Hayes, there is at least a slight risk of severe storms. There's an enhanced risk of severe storms over far western Kansas and much of eastern Colorado. Those thunderstorms expected to weaken as they move into central and east areas by this evening into tomorrow morning. So the severe threat, not as great as you head into central and east Nebraska and Kansas. Between systems, most of tomorrow and Sunday should be mainly dry, just a little bit warmer. Thunderstorms likely by late Sunday afternoon and Sunday night as a low pressure system starts to strengthen and move to the east. That's going to be the big show for a lot of us is on Sunday. Some of those storms could be severe and we're also looking at that potential once again of heavy rain. The Storm Prediction Center already has the entire region in at least a slight risk of severe storms and enhanced risk of severe storms expected over Kansas. Those storms could linger into Monday and Monday night. It warms up and dries out though for Tuesday and beyond as the ridge of high pressure builds to the north. For our long term, there's a good likelihood Nebraska and Kansas temperatures will be back to warmer than normal Wednesday all the way through July 5th for central Nebraska in late June and early July. Daytime highs on average are in the mid to upper 80s with average overnight lows in the low 60s. Nebraska rainfall is expected to range near normal to slightly above normal Wednesday through July 5th. The Kansas rainfall expected to be near normal to below normal. Weather factors affecting market trade include short-term rain followed by drier and hotter weather in the Midwest and limited rain chances in Russia. The nation's midsection will remain the focus for stormy weather through the weekend, a potential there for strong storms and localized flooding over the central and southern plains. Three-day rain totals of two inches or more are possible from Nebraska into eastern Oklahoma. Heavy rain also forecast to move into drought-affected areas of northern Missouri early next week. The bulk of the rain may miss the southern high plains with warmth and dryness expected to persist in farming areas of west Texas. For the Midwest, the rain will maintain adequate to surplus soil moisture. The 10-day forecast, though, for the Midwest brings in drier and hotter weather. That's going to need to be watched for possible early June or make that early July stress to crops as the corn goes into pollination and soybeans into flowering. Across the Black Sea region, south and east Ukraine and south Russia will continue to be hot today. Scattered thundershowers will break the heat over the weekend. Stress, though, remains high in developing corn, but should ease some over the weekend with those rain showers. Temperatures will vary down the road, but rainfall expected to be mostly near to below normal. Our regional ag weather is brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your ranky dealer. 
So as we get on into the afternoon here, possibly looking at a line uh, that stretches quite a long ways in western Nebraska. Exactly, yeah. The Nebraska Panhandle, that very southwest corner of Nebraska, and then west and central Kansas under the gun for some severe weather. Those storms, though, expected gradually are really quickly weaken as they move into central and east areas later on tonight the big show once again on sunday all right where well, we will keep on top of it for you here presented by skeeter barnes best beef and barbecue around in carney and columbus and by american family insurance serving lexington and carney who bring you our krvn storm center coverage and when you need weather anytime krvn.com to 211 narrow vote. The Republican-led House of Representatives passed its own version of the farm bill yesterday, a month after the same exact bill went down in defeat. I'm Shaley Peters joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. Let's take a midday look at that ag news for a Friday. Chairman of the House Ag Committee, Mike Conaway of Texas, gives his comments. It was uh, as tight as we thought it was going to be. We were making sure we knew where everyone everyone was, uh, make sure we had all the Republicans in place and, uh, and knew where they were voting so that uh, when we pulled that vote, we were pretty confident we'd get there. But until those green lights outnumber the red lights, it was in the breach. And so uh, I appreciate everyone who voted for it yesterday to move this process forward. Conaway also goes into what is next for the measure and what he sees as maybe one of the most important topics. So that's probably the biggest sticking point will be the work requirements and how how strong we can get those in the uh, in the conference report. Confident that the issue is important. Uh, you know, seventy plus percent of Democrats believe that work should be a requirement, and ninety percent of Republicans believe that work should be a requirement. Now we make that happen without uh, disadvantaging those folks who should not be disadvantaged, but uh, incentivizing those who want to help themselves get to a point where they can get up on that economic ladder far enough that they're not needing of these programs. So that's a that's an issue that the American people agree with, and, and while it may or may not be uh, in Pat's bill, it, uh, it's certainly in ours, and, uh, and it will be a subject of, of the conference. By advancing the bill, it gives time in July and August for the House and Senate Agriculture Committees to negotiate on a final conference bill. The Senate is expected to take up a bipartisan farm bill on the floor next week, that does not include any of the House language to tighten SNAP eligibility. And a woman has been given one to three years in prison for her role in a pasture rental scam in the northern Nebraska panhandle. Sioux County District Court records say 52-year-old Kelly Heller of Crawford was sentenced on June 12th. Heller and her daughter, Kalinda Barthel Vantine, were arrested in February of 2017. Prosecutors say the scheme was orchestrated by Vantine and resulted in more than $44,000 in losses to the five victims. The two didn't own the pasture they'd rented to the five people from November 1st, 2015 through February of 2017. The 28-year-old Vantine was sentenced to prison last October. She's also known as Kalinda Barthel. And it's Friday, which means we check back in for our Fridays in the field. And we're back with round two of Central Nebraska grower Andrew McCarg's operation. McCarg Farms near Chapman, Nebraska. And he talks about how timely the rains were we saw this past week. Yeah, it was, it was, getting, it was getting pretty ugly. I don't think we would have. And we may have even lost some yield this last week before rain just with the pivot corners and stuff we couldn't get but luckily luckily we did get a little bit and um it was just one of those things we can't 
we can't put it on as well as as the good lord can so find all of our fridays in the field coverage this growing season which includes video across the state of nebraska at ruralradio.com as well as our facebook and twitter speaking of weather hailstorms which hit northeastern harlan county and many regions of franklin county wreaked havoc earlier this week while extension research information could not prevent these storms it might be helpful for those impacted to visit the new nebraska extension hail no web resource Todd Whitney, Nebraska Extension Cropping Systems Educator, says that accurate crop damage assessment is critical. For more information, they suggest you contact your local extension office or visit one of their many Nebraska Extension Crop Hill Management web resources. That's a look to your midday ag news. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time again this week where we get a weather update. And in for Al Dutcher, we've got Nebraska Mesonet Manager, Stoney Cooper. And Stoney, always glad to have you on. We're going to start off in maybe a weird way this week, talking about, uh, after the weather we've received, talking about drought. You bet. Thanks so much, Shaley. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, what, with all the rain that we've gotten over the past week, the good news is is the drought indications over Kansas are decreasing. There still is a D3 uh, drought indication in east-central Kansas, but the D3 that was in southwest Kansas has been wiped off the map with all this precip we've gotten. Um, even the uh, drought indications in southeastern Nebraska are starting to pull back. We've gotten quite a bit of rain, um, as much as six inches up in northeastern Nebraska, down to four inches in southeast Nebraska, and out west, body but every rain gauge that the mezzanine has out has registered some precip over the past week all right so glad to have a good week behind us what's the weather got in store for us headed into this weekend and next week stoney i tell you what it looks to be a very active week for saturday morning um we're going to have some leftover thunderstorms over in the west that are going to be transitioning to the east and they'll be ending uh, the lows across the state will be in the upper 50s and low 60s Saturday will kind of be a reprieve. Um, there'll be a chance of showers and thunderstorms, mainly in the east and parts of the central. But it'll be sunny to partly cloudy west and central, and partly to mostly cloudy in the east, with highs in the mid-70s to lower 80s east and the lower to mid-80s west. Then the sun begins on Sunday. Uh, it's going to be partly to mostly cloudy throughout the area. There's an enhanced severe potential across much of Kansas. Uh, the storms will fire up in early afternoon in western Kansas. There is a potential for tornadoes as these first storms lay down, but they will grow in aerial coverage and they'll start to cluster together and it'll become basically a big line of thunderstorms that will start to race across central Kansas. This will become a significant uh, event for Kansas, at least from precip, and there is, as these storms evolve and move east there is an enhanced potential for strong winds uh the highs again we're looking at 70s in the panhandle of nebraska and northwest to 80s in the southeast um, monday after all these storms get through we have still mostly cloudy it's a still a chance of thunderstorms with the highest chances in the eastern part of kansas and nebraska Lows in the mid-upper 60s and east, ranging to 50s in the panhandle of Nebraska and western Kansas. Tuesday, it's going to be clear to partly cloudy west, partly cloudy with a small chance of thunderstorms in the east. 
and lows in the 60s east ranging to the 50s in the panhandle and highs in the upper 80s and lower 90s much of the west and south. Wednesday through Friday, this is kind of the iffy situation. We're going to have a huge upper level ridge build up over the plains. This is pushing the low that's going to be bringing these precip in from, especially on Sunday and Monday in. That's going to be pushing that over the Great Lakes. And with that ridging, is going to come a lot of moisture from the Gulf. It's just going to be really humid. And what we're going to see is nightly thunderstorm activity across the northern plains. This is really starting to look like 1993 for those old enough to remember what that year looked like in terms of night after night of thunderstorm activity from the center of Dakotas down into central Nebraska. Nebraska Mesonet Manager Stoney Cooper, I'm Shaley Peters for the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports. Here's Jason Jorgenden. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, the College World Series is down to the final four. This afternoon, it's Mississippi State against Oregon State, and tonight, undefeated Arkansas takes on Florida. Albion is once again hosting the seventh annual Nebraska-Wyoming six-man football shootout. This series is tied at three wins apiece between these two who send their best six-man all-star players to battle every summer. DeAndre Ayton is the likeliest key component to the Phoenix Suns' rebuilding job. The Suns made the University of Arizona Center the first player taken in last night's NBA draft. Last year, he averaged 20 points and about 12 rebounds per game in his lone season in Tucson. He joins Michael Thompson as the only players from the Bahamas to be the number one pick in the draft. Another NBA news, the Pistons traded for the rights to second-round pick Kyrie Thomas of Creighton last night. Now, Thomas went to Philadelphia at number 38, but was soon traded to the Pistons for two future second-round picks. The six-foot-three guard averaged 15 points per game last year and shot 41% from behind the arc for the Creighton Blue Jays. And Cavaliers general manager Kobe Altman says he's had really good dialogue with LeBron James. James has until June 29th to inform the team if he'll pick up his $35 million contract option for next season or become a free agent. The Cavs are hoping to improve their roster to convince James to stay, and they feel the selection of Alabama playmaker Colin Sexton in the NBA draft was a good first step. James has signed several short-term contracts since returning to the Cavs in 2014 after spending four years at Miami. After the Cavs won the championship in 2016, James signed a two-year contract with an option for this upcoming year. And the Oakland A's at Chicago White Sox are set to play a rare single-admission doubleheader after last night's scheduled game in the Windy City was postponed because of rain. It's the 40th postponement in the majors this year, already one more than all of last year. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More of Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. There is a chance of thunderstorms tonight in western and central Nebraska, spreading into parts of the east late tonight. Stay tuned to KRVN for latest weather information. I'm Dave Schroeder with news. The U.S. Supreme Court's decision yesterday to let states collect sales tax from online purchases is still being analyzed by state officials. Governor Pete Ricketts is offering a limited response. Well, we're still analyzing the Wayfair decision, and as I have said often, um, my attitude is that if they remove the physical nexus component of that, that we can just go out and start requesting Internet retailers to remit that sales tax. As I said, we're uh, analyzing the decision right now, and uh, stay tuned. We'll be coming back with you uh, in the next you know, few days to let you know what we think that allows us to be able to do. 
Ricketts issued a statement that any future state law requiring an Internet sales tax must be steered towards property tax relief. Nebraska legislation to begin collection of online sales tax was blocked this legislative session by a filibuster, and Governor Pete Ricketts said the state should wait for the Supreme Court decision. The University of Nebraska's proposed budget for the upcoming year includes more than $28 million in spending cuts that will see a loss of more than 100 jobs across four campuses, department consolidations, and a possible tuition increase. The proposed budget includes $22 million in administrative cuts identified by university-wide budget response teams, as well as another $6 million in program cuts out of the $960 million operation budget. University CFO Chris Kaburik briefed reporters on the budget proposal yesterday, as well as the potential for University President Hank Bounds to ask for a mid-year tuition increase if the legislature withholds some of its funding next year. So if if the state appropriations are held back mid-year, he would have the authority to implement a mid-year tuition increase. Um, It could not exceed... Um, whatever the state holdbacks are. So let's make an example. If the state holds back $5 million, the tuition increase could not exceed $5 million. Now, if there are no state appropriation holdbacks, there will be no major tuition increase. The NU Board of Regents will consider the proposed budget at its June 28th meeting. The new owners of a Kansas cruise boat are hoping it can float again 40 years after a tornado sank the boat and killed more than a dozen people. The tornado capsized the Whippoorwill paddle boat in 1978 on Pomona Lake, killing 16 of the 58 people on board. Josh and Matt Ambrovitz bought the boat to restore the 45-ton craft. The brothers hoped to get the boat out on Perry Lake in Topeka by July 4th, then eventually carrying paying passengers. I'm Dave Schroeder. On a narrow vote of 213 to 211, the House Farm Bill passed. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. Agriculture Committee Chairman Michael Conaway sounded relieved while on a media phone call this morning. It was uh, as uh, tight as we thought it was going to be. We were making sure we knew where everyone everyone was, uh, make sure we had all the Republicans in place and, uh, and knew where they were voting so that uh, when we pulled that vote, we were pretty confident we'd get there. But until those green lights outnumber the red lights, it was uh, in the breach. And so uh, I appreciate everyone who voted for it yesterday to move this process forward. No Democrats supported the measure. They say new SNAP work requirements would take nearly 2 million people off the program. Uh, on the SNAP side, there were some 19 provisions that the Democrats asked for in the SNAP uh, arena that we put in the bill. So they've got, uh, in spite of the rhetoric to the contrary, they've got, uh, they've got things in SNAP that they wanted to, to uh, change, uh, even though they said they didn't want any changes. They proposed 19 changes that we included in there. And so uh, hopefully we can put that uh, bad blood behind us now and, uh, and move forward. If the Senate is able to advance their farm bill, the two bodies will then move to conference. Lawmakers then work to resolve the differences between the two bills. That's probably the biggest sticking point will be the work requirements and how, how strong we can get those in the, uh, in the conference report. But uh, I'm confident that the issue is important. Uh, you know, 70-plus percent of Democrats believe that work should be a requirement, and 90 percent of Republicans believe that work should be a requirement. And so how do we, uh, how do we make that happen without uh, disadvantaging those folks who should not be disadvantaged, uh, but uh, incentivizing those who want to help themselves get to a point where they can get up on that economic ladder far enough that they're not needing of these programs. So 
that's a that's an issue that the American people agree with, and, and uh, you know while it may or may not be uh, in Pat's bill, it uh, it's certainly in ours, and uh, and it will be a subject of uh, of the uh, uh, of the conference. The rest of the things will be the normal you know arm wrestling about how much money here, how much money there, those kinds of things that go on in every farm bill. But this one will have a, a, a much more meaningful conversation about the SNAP requirements than the past ones. So uh, shouldn't uh, it's not impossible, it may be hard, uh, but. You know, I'm I'm driven, as I've said to you over and over and over, to get this thing done before the uh, first of October, because none of us will be smarter in October than we are in, in uh, August and uh, September. So, uh, uh, once Pat gets this done, I'm, I'm I got great confidence in my colleague that he and his group will get a, a bill across the Senate floor that we can then get to that uh, that difficult work, no doubt, of uh, conferencing these two bills. Conaway says he predicts the House Farm Bill will look much different once it leaves that conference. Uh, of course, uh, you know I've said often that uh, I'm not arrogant enough. I mean, I'm arrogant, but I'm not arrogant enough, uh, or naive enough to think that uh, the House bill will be what the president signs. That's never been the case, and so I've known all along that I will need to work with my Senate colleagues to come to a blended bill. They're not going to get at everything that they want. I'm not going to get everything that I want, but that's a part of that conference process that uh, uh, that uh, I'm looking forward to, and uh, I'm hopeful that I'll have a colleague. Uh, and Colin, that will help uh, pitch in as well on the stuff that he's interested in, and uh, and we'll make this work. But yes, of course we're going to compromise. The House bill was partisan. From the very first vote, Democrats vowed not to support it nor offer any amendments. Ranking Democrat on the House Ag Committee, Colin Peterson, spoke strongly against the measure. You know, Colin is in a terrible place, and uh, he said a lot of things that that I think we'll all, you know, I've said things, he said things, but we'll put those behind us. And, and he's going to defend America's production agriculture. He's going to defend rural America the way he was elected to do. And, uh, you know, and, and we're going we're gonna to work on the SNAP stuff. So I think Peterson, uh, Colin, will uh, be back to being the, the Colin we've known from the past once he can get back and engage uh, in a meaningful way, which is his normal uh, normal way of working, is that he works to try to get to a yes, and, and he's been in a bad position just being a flat-out no. But we're behind that, and that's behind us now. And uh, now it's to get to a bill that he and I can get to yes on, and, and uh, we can find the votes in the House necessary to to uh, to get this thing done. So I, I expect that uh, Colin will weigh in on uh, on behalf of rural America and production agriculture the way he's always done. Always done. As lawmakers debate SNAP and other Farm Bill items, a government reorganization plan by President Donald Trump would rename the Department of Health and Human Services to the Department of Health and Public Welfare. Notably, the plan would move this Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program from the Department of Agriculture to the new so-called Welfare Department. Chairman Conaway was asked his thoughts on the proposal. Well, I have to see what uh, what rationale was used to uh, to move uh, snap snap over to I guess HHS wherever it's going. I want to keep an open mind. Uh, you know, most of us uh, try not to react negatively right off the bat before they understand something just because it's changed. Of course, unless it's the change I come up with, and I'm always in favor of that. But most of us resist changes proposed from someone else, and, and that's probably not the best way to approach it. And so, keep an open mind with this issue. I uh, want to hear, want to see what the what the uh, administration's rationale is to why they think that's actually better. I'm always a little uh, uh, cautious of making a really big. Uh, executive branch agency even even bigger 
uh, by, uh, in this instance, moving SNAP out of USDA over to wherever it might wind up. So still need to find out what they, why they think that's a good idea. You know, some of the other things that they're suggesting, you know, food safety coming into USDA would certainly be supportive of that. But uh, we'll look at uh, the administration's uh, proposal, and uh, it takes legislative action to make all of that happen. And, uh, and we're, you know, we're, we're way in advance of that. It just came out. So we'll take a look at it. Hopefully keep an open mind as best I can. But uh, I'm always a little nervous about making big things bigger. That was House Agriculture Committee Chairman Mike Conaway. From the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton back on the Rural Radio Network, and we're talking with Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities, taking a look at the closing livestock futures. And Joe, as we take a look, live cattle, feeder cattle, holding towards the green, but lean hogs shedding a little weight today. Yeah, they sure did. Uh, the hogs uh, under pressure again. Cash seems to be weak, and uh, cutouts were a little lower at noon, and that uh, that kept the pressure on the hogs uh, throughout the day. So some follow-through going into the weekend, uh, starting to look uh, possibility that we've uh, hit a point here where uh, some, uh, we may have a short-term, maybe even a long-term top. Well, the time will tell on those. But uh, yes, they were under uh, <coughs> some pressure all day long. Over in the cattle, we're going to finish mixed in the uh, cattle. The front end a little bit lower, the uh, back end a little bit higher. We do have a cattle on feed report this afternoon. And uh, the trade looking for uh, placements to uh, be off just a little bit uh, um, and uh, on feed uh, numbers to be a little bit lower. So that uh, brought on some spreading, buying the back end, selling the front. Then we had some uh, cattle starting to trade uh, uh, between 109, 110 uh, uh, down south, and that uh, pretty much kind of told the story there, uh, uh, and uh, that kept uh, the front end uh, down throughout the remainder of the day. The feeders a little bit better, uh, uh, I think, because of the the uh, cattle on feed report and the placement numbers uh, uh, that continue to find support. That's Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, joining us. For more information, call 1-800-328-0134. We're back this week with Fridays in the Field. I'm Shaley Peters, joining you this week, and we've made it a full round across the state of Nebraska. So we are back visiting for round two with Andrew McCarg. He's a central Nebraska farmer near Chapman, Nebraska. And Andrew, a lot has happened since we last visited with you. I believe it was mid-May the last time we had talked to you. So give us an update on what you guys have going on this time of year. Yeah, well, it's uh, we had planting was pretty dry overall. We had a few little rains here and there and got pushed back and then it just turned hot and dry like most guys in central Nebraska know. And we were um, hilling corn and getting pipe out on stuff that wasn't tall enough and all that kind of stuff. We got a much needed rain there two nights ago and it's been really great to have some cooler weather and some rain and we didn't get any hail or wind with that so we're really really thankful for where we're at right now. Absolutely.
absolutely. Always nice to have that timely moisture. And so, Andrew, you gave us kind of an update on your overall operation. But in visiting with you last time, you grow organic, you grow white corn, you have a variety of different crops that you grow here. Break it down a little bit for us on what you're seeing on an individual basis with your crops. Well, yeah, corn, you know, we started with our commercial corn, our white corn, yellow corn. Um, We got that in the ground really timely. And that looked really well, but um, you know, like we talked last time, we didn't get plant started planting till April 28th, and um, things got you know the beans probably got pushed back further than we would have liked after a few rains and some breakdowns. Um, once we finally got to finished up planting, it was probably a little later than we wanted it, but um, I think overall the crops still look really good. Um, on our on our organic farming it's been kind of dry so that has helped us with weed control it just seems like when it's raining we get more weeds growing quicker so i mean that's been one benefit of the dry weather on our operation is just being able to be a little little more on top of the weeds on the organic portion of our operations and go into that a little bit more because i know especially with organic and you had mentioned this last time as well your management practices are a little bit different and so weed control is maybe a little bit different for you as well yeah so um with the organic crops you know it's just you know it really seems like it has to do a lot with mother nature um we got this year like i said we got planted when it was pretty dry we had good moisture underneath and we had good temperature so the crop shot out of the ground quickly and we were able to stay in front of the weeds pretty well but the whole thing is just getting that crop up to a point where you can cultivate it and beat the weeds Um, we have some beans that got put in a little later and it seemed like um, as far as organic beans go we just fought the weeds more on that just like and we fight the weeds more in beans than our conventional crops too so it just seems like figuring out how to fight the weeds organic or conventional in our beans specifically has been a challenge um, but seems like this year it's it's coming together pretty well and we like what we're seeing across all of our crops organic looks pretty clean our conventional crops um you know they same thing with the warm temperatures they grew fast and we were able to get to canopy on most stuff and and weed control looks good and quality looks good so far it's our fridays in the field central nebraska grower this year andrew mccarr giving us an update we'll check back in with andrew in a little over a month. Until then, you can find all of our Fridays in the Field coverage by visiting us at RuralRadio.com. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network, talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And, John, as we take a look here, a little reprieve for the soybeans, especially here at the end of the week. Our uh, whole week trading range, though, from Sunday to today, only about $0.10. Cents. Yeah, it was an amazing week, really. I did nothing but little the the action. Obviously, there were a lot of folks on the long side who got hit. But, um, you know, big monster move. I mean, we had almost... 80 cent range, but down a dime. So when you look back at the weekly charts, you can see that big wick at the bottom of the candle there that, that does show support, and I think we've hit levels that you know, I think should be supported for now. I, I, I don't know what else you're going to throw at the market here from a bear side, and maybe something in the grain stocks report next week could point to some, some further additional supplies, but I think you could also get some numbers in the planning that could be uh, you know indicating that acreage is a little smaller. I, I would think we're going to see somewhere around where they thought, 87, 88 million for corn, probably 89 
mid mid eighty nines for beans, but uh, I think we we took the best shot essentially that the Bears are going to throw at us. We delivered. We're going to delivery next week. Options expiration just hit today, and uh, you know now it'll be about kind of focusing on pollination for uh, for weather uh, in the next month. And you know how much rain is too much rain? I guess that's the, the, that'll be the question right now. As you look across the entire grain complex, is it going to take uh, corn and wheat turning higher to hopefully sustain this, or can soybeans be a standalone? Oh, I don't know if they're going to get too much. I mean, it's hard to think we're going to be trading 950 beans with, with December trading at, at 380, but, um, you know, I think over the longer run, they'll all rally together. Uh, wheat, probably the biggest key for corn here in the short term, especially going into delivery. But as you mentioned, soybeans, especially for next year, if new crop beans can rally, I think that'll put some kind of, I guess, feel better for, for corn producers. I think the thought now is that with beans as low as they are, I think we're at nine, we were at 920, no, I looked at the Nov 19 settle, um, but the, maybe we'd see some more corn acres next year, and given the carryout, we will need it. Prices certainly wouldn't have to rally as much as they would if beans were, say, 1020, 1030 to get acreage in the ground. But, uh, you know, at this point, seeing crude up three bucks on the day, cotton had a really good close. The outside commodity markets feel like maybe we're going to make our lows here in Q2 and really rally in Q3 like we did a year ago. Um, and again, like I said, I think this week we took it on the chin. And to see us come back, only down 10 cents in beans. Corn, simply, I think we were off three or four for the week. Uh, wheat, a little bit more. But given the, the delivery pressure, I think we're going to face that, that. That makes sense. So going into next week, it'll be about grain stocks report, kind of settling out for Q2 and then watching those forecasts weather down the road. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grains. If you'd like more information or to talk to John, you can visit Daniels Trading, DanielsAgMarketing.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. <laughs> 